you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hello everyone, we're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. Alright, so come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we are talking about a film that's celebrating its 35-year anniversary. The big 3-5. The Tosk Avenger Part 2. Who did this? So I did this. I did this. I will take full blame. If it's trauma, it's usually this guy. Um, Mm. This was. I I have yet to pick a trauma, haven't I? Yeah. There's a reason. Oh. I'm I'm curious as to which one you might pick if you were to ever pick one, but probably none. Uh oh, should we just get I, right to it? Because uh, I think listen, we need this was to... an Tox! hour and forty-eight minutes, so I went with Tox Brewing Muscaria. Dude, okay, so Tox is my cousin is the not my distant cousin is the brewer at Tox. So I can't believe that you're holding that in your hand. That is two towns over from me. North. It Haven. is. Yeah. Well, so. So you had t- you had timber ales and now you have tox. So twelve percent is is distributing to somebody that you shop with, and it's magnificent. Anyway, sorry. It's I really love good. tox. That's um, really good. I am I am struggling to get this straw open. And that's <laughs> I thought that, that you had of, like a joint in there, and I was like, that is the longest joint I've ever no, seen. No, 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 no. This is a straw. Which means that it goes into a box of some sort. Yeah. I have a box of sake. Lucky dog sake. Because uh, we, we're going international. Um, so, But that's why I was struggling. If you've heard a little crinkle crinkle for these first two minutes, that's why. Um, you know what? a hard time over here. Son of a bitch. I, so I got, I, I've been putting together, I've been trying to be a, an adult. So every day. Don't I, do it. I know. It's the worst. But every day I have a checklist of stuff to do. And um, not to brag too much, but we're recording this at the end of January right now. And I am so ahead on my editing schedule that I'm editing stuff that's the end of February release. So I've been like limiting myself to just like one edit a day. Like, take it easy. Don't like 
because I was doing like four to five edits a day and like not having any breathing room. So today I had nothing but like lounging time. I just had music on. I was reading a book. What I should have fucking done is I should have grabbed Mr. Kaufman's debut novel where he explains the whole story of the making of this movie instead of just using like the three (laughs) factoids that are on IMDb and nothing else. Because I remember that there was like a whole story of like trauma. Trauma got all these Japanese investors that were like, we want you to make films in Japan for Japan. Like, we'll fly you out here. We'll cover. And that's why you got this movie and Sergeant Kabuki Man, like, in kind of quick succession was, like, part of that contract with Japan. Anyway, long story short. But this movie, if you didn't read the factoid, which is insane, <laughs> is that Toxic Avenger Part 2 and Toxic Avenger Part 3 came out in the same year because when Lloyd Kaufman made Toxic Avenger 2, it was a four and a half hour long movie. Good and his wife no. and his wife was like, Yeah, you need to split those into two movies. What confuses me most is that this has such a definitive storyline and ending. Like, how is there a whole second movie worth? And the whole second movie worth is basically just like what happens with the people from Apocalypse Incorporated after this movie? But like, what? yeah, it's like, why did Lloyd think that we needed an hour and a half of Melvin finding his father in in Bro, the beginning I, of this movie? Dude, I didn't need more than half of this movie. <laughs> um, this movie is I, an hour I, and forty eight minutes long for the listener. It is well, you guys crushingly have, long. See, and I was gonna say, you guys so got the better long. version than I did because. I have the unrated director's cut DVD, mm-hmm. which is was released incorrectly and has the R-rated cut on the disc. Uh, so yeah. I got none of the gore, like none oh, of it. Which is so no. funny that the director's cut is the gore-free it was, version. So it was weird. a it was a printing error or something like that. Like if you get any other version of this beyond the DVD that I have. It has the gore back in it, but yeah. like when it first That's... came out on DVD, and I was excited to grab my Tosk Adventure Part Two, I ended up with this gore-free one. Now I did look up on YouTube. If you go on, like, there's that guy who does Carnage Count on YouTube. That's just every single kill in a movie. It's funny that you mentioned him because he's coming back next week for my pick. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I bet he probably has the unedited version, and like. There is some cool, gory deaths in the very beginning of this movie. The opening of this movie, oh I think, is the God. strongest part of the movie. If the movie it's was a 20 minutes of... short, I'd be fine yeah. with it. I, I'm actually really <laughs> upset with you, Matt, because you have been <laughs> gaslighting me for years, saying that the beginning of this movie is the beginning of the next movie. I was what? like, oh, yes. I have asked you so many times, is Toxic Adventure 2 the one where he rips the guy's ears off and then says, can you hear me now, can you hear me now? And then he squishes a guy like an accordion in a in a wheelchair, and you're like, no, no, that's the third one. I didn't realize I was lying. I thought I was always saying part two. All Scott, of that is you realize my four. brain is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> now, is well, part so- three the one that... that- is like or is is that is part four the one that James Gunn did that's like incredibly offensive? Part four is the one that James Gunn did that's incredibly offensive and it has probably my favorite opening of any of the Toxic Avenger movies because it's Stan Lee, like the Stan Lee doing yeah. a voiceover 
talking about the Toxic Avenger, and he like gives the whole rundown of the first movie. And then literally in the narration, he goes, and then there were two awful sequels that we won't speak about. Now, Citizen Toxie, the true sequel to the Toxic Avenger. Oh, no. Like, Golly. you got to love when when Lloyd is just like, yeah, I fucked up. Moving on. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. I, and, and boy, did he. Yeah. Well, um, this opening, though, I still stand by it. The opening is incredible. You've got these gory deaths if you have a good version of the movie you have these hilarious edits of human to dummy that are just like the worst transition like like it's like an actor toxie holds the actor for a split second and then he's like literally just holding like a scarecrow on his shoulders and spinning it and the whole thing for no explainable reason is is scored by like a Casio keyboard cover of it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing very strange I, <laughs> it was so strange and so long <laughs> and it, was, it is they so used the, fucking long and like it is so long and we're not just saying the whole runtime of the movie really truly each the, uh, scene or set piece like everything is longer than it needs to be so, each time except for when Toxie is like with the Japanese youth and I'm like oh fun like and then it's just like next scene yeah no and I'm so, like wow okay so the other thing that's funny about because I agree with you it is so long so yesterday I watched this movie but I also did a bunch of laundry and I was like you know what I don't really need to have my laptop open for this first 20 minutes. I'll I'll fold the laundry because I knew that I had a solid 15 to 20 minutes to like get everything folded and get yeah. to my laptop before anything of importance <laughs> happened in the movie like mm-hmm. like it is and and you know what thinking of it like that I understand how Lloyd made a four and a half hour long movie because boy does he not think <laughs> that anything was cut worthy in this that movie that does explain <laughs> yeah. a lot that explains a lot about this I, I, I just it I don't know I mean I love all a lot of the kills in that first scene I love the basketball like the basketball is so fun like that's the type of stuff that but the thing is makes the, me ex- I actually thought that the basketball how are you saying I don't know, man. Of all the shit that happens in that intro scene, the basketball feels the most offensive, actually. Oh, sure, sure. Well, I, I guess. Okay, okay. I, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I hear you. I feel like so. <laughs> and I did. It wasn't a consideration, which yeah. is maybe offensive for me to say that I wasn't considering that it was. Uh, a Listen, we all we all have our um our missteps. Well, mm-hmm. I, I think what it is, is that, like, trauma is a very weird category of movie. And in the strangest of ways, because it's kind of similar to me watching a trauma movie, especially watching this era of trauma, like, right as we're about to enter the 90s period of trauma, it's kind of the same as watching like a John Waters movie from the 70s in yeah. the sense of like this is you're like I am aware that the people who make this movie are extremely progressive humans mm. but I'm also aware that they are probably on the forefront of the shock comedy offensive yeah. forefront so you're like walking this line where it's like I don't even think as as like 
as much as Troma continues to be a shocking film company, even into like 2024, I do think that there are jokes and moments in Toxic Avenger Part 2 that Lloyd would never dream of doing in 2024 that he felt way more like, ah, what the hell? Like, and I think that's with everything. Like, especially when you look at comedy, like, even the most progressive comedians of the 80s and 90s told some really fucked up dated jokes that they wish they didn't tell in the 80s and 90s because in a weird way you don't think about uh, a prime example on the weird algorithm podcast uh there is an episode of al tv where al goes to japan and like matt milligan and i were both like we were very nervous <laughs> because it's 1980s american in japan and like for all of the 80s into the 90s basically it was just like easy punchline like isn't japan weird like that sushi that's weird japan's weird like that was like the whole butt of the joke there wasn't any setup there wasn't any established and i don't know i feel like this one walks that weird line where it like both dabbles in the very hacky like Japan is weird part of it, but also simultaneously, I'm like, I don't know. I also feel like at the exact same time, Lloyd Kaufman actually really enjoys Japan as a I, like he feels I, like he's really trying to highlight yeah. stuff there. Well, <laughs> like, it feels like everything. I I guess that the things that could ostensibly be in poor taste just really didn't bother me that much. Like. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, like exactly. Like he makes soup with a guy. Like he puts the the like the 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 cabbage and the ramen and everything in the hot tub, and he like boils the guy alive. That didn't seem so terrible to me. Like a guy gets chopped up. Like his his dad, who's not really his dad, gets chopped up and turned into sashimi. Another guy with a fish head turns gets turned into sushi. Like yeah, but that stuff doesn't bother me. He turns a guy into soup, and this is where I feel like this is mildly progressive for the time period. Is like he turns a guy into soup, and he gets onto like a microphone and like does an announcement, like the food is done. Yeah, but he does it in an American accent. Yeah, which like I think anyone else in 1980 would have done like a Jerry Super, Lewis in Breakfast the yeah. Tiffany's Oof. accent. Like yeah, like it's like he actually is like I don't want to mock this stuff. And and case in point, the two main Japanese actors, so the girl that follows him around and Big Mac, when they casted them, they said that they spoke English. <laughs> and then when he shot the movie, he's like, they don't speak English. Or like they do, but like But it's very he, bad, yeah. It was very mm-hmm. bad. So his wife and his business partner redubbed them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like listening to them talk in the movie knowing that i'm like they actually did a pretty good job of like not throwing on an outrageous accent but like walking that fine line in a very like i I mean like here i love these guys but imagine if that same situation happened with trey parker i knew exactly where you're (laughs) going i mean like yeah it it would have been it would have been really rough and <laughs> like see, that's real the rough. thing is that we we have definitely waxed poetic about trey parker and matt stone before and that's the point that yeah. I think that it, I've never been able to 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 enumerate is that they're kind of assholes about stuff. Like their jokes, <laughs> really, they age like fucking milk. And yeah. as and it's just so funny because 
Lloyd Kaufman is one of their idols, and mm-hmm. he gets it. But it's just so funny when it gets filtered through a younger, edged, lordier kind of mindset. Because, like, even basketball, which I haven't watched in probably at least a decade, maybe 15 years at this point, I'm going to guess that there are a lot of inappropriate jokes that just don't hit anymore. At least this this was my first watch of Toxie 2. And I will say that I was not enjoying myself because it's almost a two-hour slapstick movie. Oh, yeah. No one's... But, no one's oh, wait until you hear my double feature because, boy, does this remind me of gonna, a very specific franchise of film. Okay. But, well, all I'm, all I'm trying to say is that I didn't enjoy my watch, but I didn't cringe once. Yeah. No, and I, that's a it, huge plus for, for Lloyd yeah. Cobb. That's a feather in his cap. There's there, But there are things that I... So, again, I think the beginning is great as far as just you're getting just bombarded with crazy, creative, gory deaths. Um, I also think that stuff like... When it comes to the special effects, like they really didn't skimp as hard as they could have like the guy getting his nose crushed into a fish shape that was pretty like funny. that prosthetic looks awesome yeah. <laughs> like it's actually a really good prosthetic yeah. i also think and this is always the case with lloyd kaufman there are jokes that are fucking awful like awful and a big one would be a line like I'm Big Mac, but they also call me the Big Cheese. One could say I'm a Big Mac with cheese is a fucking terrible joke. Awful. But- and it, and it doesn't roll off the tongue at all. No. No. But then Lloyd does, it's the moments that Lloyd does where you can see the, like, the John Waters influence for Lloyd Kaufman that shine for me, such as the, the people in Troma going, they're smoking crack. They're oh. crack addicts. <laughs> no, it, dude, no, that's not. Crap. It's crap yeah, addicts crap. because they're toilets. Dude. That was yeah. the funniest joke in this movie. And I feel like what happened was Lloyd Kaufman literally went to a novelty store and saw little toilets and was like, how can I make that joke? Yeah, how that's can I make that joke? the first thing that came to his mind. He was like, I'm just going to put it in my movie. The, the yeah. other bit that makes me laugh so hard because it feels like such a good parody of these types of movies is – Big Mac is transporting cocaine and fish. Oh my god! And the fish, I did love that and the too. fish falls on the ground, and the girl samples the cocaine twice, and then it's like ten or fifteen more times that yeah. she samples yeah. it with her finger before she's like, "It's cocaine." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I actually, I loved those two parts. That's the thing is that, and and for people that aren't in the Patreon, Kyle's background is Toxy wearing a wig. And glasses and, <laughs> and a camera he, and, and he's got a camera and that is that's the inversion that's the stupid American in Japan and that's why the jokes are funny is because it's yes. kind of like the butt of the joke is America not Japan yeah and that's so yeah. I was gonna say back to the Weird Al thing we were very pleasantly surprised because with Weird Al he did the same thing it wasn't making fun of Japanese culture it was making fun of a dumb American in Japan so like in the narration he was like. I asked him to take me to the to an authentic Japanese restaurant, but they had all raw fish, so I went to the next best thing, a McDonald's. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I can make it a McDonald's. It's like, that's great. Like, that's, yeah. that's such well, a good joke. There's <laughs> like, a, there's a, we're talking about this, and I just, I realized, and I'm not, I might, I just have a theory that all of this works 
and feels not edge lordy and whatever because lloyd coffin actually doesn't even though everything is low budget and super cheap i don't think he actually exploits like uh, um workers like i think that maybe maybe like capitalistically he did, yeah, he's no, not he'll the un- best he'll under there's some exploitation here my friend people. i don't know about that no. like uh, i don't think all I of the nudity that, is japanese women but no, you know what here's the craziest yeah. thing that i had to write down there is what appeared to be a gratuitous nude scene that somehow played into a character's death ultimately and i'm like well done Wait, Lloyd. Which, which scene when, is that? when the one girl gets knocked unconscious like gets hit in the head and her clothes fall off and she's wandering around nude oh and yes. then the guy cutting the meat is distracted by her being naked and doesn't realize he's chopping up. i was like bravo <laughs> um, I, I also I had to laugh. That's the same girl who um, she's wearing a blonde merkin, right? Yes, very like, much. Like so. I'm like, yes. why is there a Japanese girl with a blonde merkin? Um, it just it it, it budget. felt <laughs> budget cuts. Yes, yeah, that was definitely from Lloyd's personal collection. Um, yeah, and he's yeah, like, yeah, that's oh, just I'm, reused trauma uh, stuff. Yeah. I I just I I want to clarify that I should have and I should have said that there's no exploitation. I just feel that <laughs> Lloyd runs a set less exploitatively and with more respect even though it's even though people are working for shit or not working at all or yeah, maybe put in like I, I mean think, that is I just think that he's I think that he still gives a shit enough and is willing to figure it out he, not necessarily at the expense of his employees yes uh, he I think he's I the type know. of person not man I am about to to oh say something. I hope I. No, I'm gonna say something, and uh, let me say that the news has recently shown us that this person is exactly the person we've always assumed he was, but a particular person who used to own a very famous wrestling organization. No, yeah, well, mm-hmm. you know, when you guys are like, oh, I don't hate wrestling, and I'm like, I fucking hate wrestling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, you have egg one on face on. now, yeah. bitches. No, because we all hate him anyway. But he, sure, sure. he has infamously said that he would never ask someone to do something that he wasn't willing to do in the ring. Right. And that was the reason why he was always willing to be thrown off the top of a cage because if I'm going to ask one of my other employees to do it, I might as well do it as well. I think Lloyd takes that effect, takes that into filmmaking. If he's not going to ask someone to run around bare ass naked, if he wasn't also willing to do it in his mm-hmm. films. And I've seen Lloyd's ass in more than one movie. Like, I, like, it's like, gonna, I thought you were going to say you've seen Lloyd's ass in real life. And I'm yeah. like, that doesn't no, shock me. No, no, no. Me. I wouldn't also, get into that. But, but I, um, but I, I know that he is, he is extremely strict on like when he is doing those nude scenes. Absolute closed set. Only like essential. So it's like if someone's going to do a nude scene, it's going to be the actor Maybe someone from HR to make sure everything get, like, like trauma has HR. But someone I, was, I, was, to I, I nodded, <laughs> but then I felt like a fucking yeah. idiot because yeah. I was like trauma and HR in the same sentence. You know, trauma but like HR. someone to make sure everything. Michael safe is just and, over like, there. Fucking yeah, but just like director, camera guy, lighting, and the actors, and no one else. Like he's like, I don't want this person to feel more exposed in front of anyone else than they have to. Like just I already the entire know it's world that's going to be watching this movie for the next fifty years. Yes, pretty much. Yes, mm-hmm. that is. It. Listen, but even the same if, thing. If I got that. paid to get naked in a movie, you bet your butt, you bet my butt that I would do it. If I mean, somebody I wants to pay Scott. me to see me naked, I will I, do it. 
Listen, I've brought up I brought up John Waters so many times in this episode, but I have to bring up my favorite John Waters story, which is in Pink Flamingos. There's the infamous guy who makes his butthole pop in and out to the beat of of Surf and Bird, and he that actor until the day he died. Whenever there was a screening in town of Pink Flamingos, he showed his asshole and Surf and Bird. Well, he would go. He would go to the screening, find someone who is sitting alone, sit next to them, and when that scene came on, he'd go, "That's me up there." <laughs> Listen, I do draw the line at showing my butthole doing surf and bird, um, but I did realize could also you? Could that you? I also have candy for today. It's this sour candy called Toxic Waste. Um, I've been holding on to this for a long time. I don't remember when or why I bought it, but it's supposedly um, hazardously sour candy. Um, so it's like I'm a gonna warhead times that. 10. Please be yeah. careful. I'm going to do... We need you, I'm Scott. I'm going to do lemon. Oh, wow. You're oh, really going wow. for extra sour. Well, but I fucking love lemon. I don't love That's true. black cherry. Um, don't oh, love man. grape. Send me the rest then, because I want the I'm going to see cherry. you in like two months, bitch. That's true. That's true. Bring that shit. Oh, my God. Oh, it took two seconds. Damn, that is brutal. All right, good. I cannot wait. Um, so I've only got a couple more notes that we have to ta- talk about real quick. We were talking about how the opening scene was long and unnecessary. That was a walk in the park compared to the twenty-minute car chase at the end of this movie that goes oh, absolutely nowhere. Just for I wrote a note that said it's not a trauma movie without. An extended car chase, and this it car is chase so sucks long. so bad. Where did they get it's them? So, Last time we so did bad. a Toxic Avenger movie, I asked the same fucking question: Where do they get the money to blow no, by up not cars? Paying the actors. They're all Buicks, but like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> when you don't pay your actors, it becomes real easy to find money for explosions. <laughs> um, <laughs> True. Okay, I'm sorry about the exploitation <laughs> thing. Nobody's getting paid. <laughs> no, I'm sure so. They're getting paid. It's just financial exploitation is way less terrible in my mind, but it's also because I'm mm-hmm. not an actor. Yeah. Than like sexual exploitation, like grindhouse. <laughs> yeah. Right. Stuff. Right. You know. Yeah. I, that's just me. Yeah. But no, I get it. Do you know? <laughs> feel, feel the same way. So this is one fairly famous person's first movie. Do you know who that person is? Yes, I do. Who is it? Um, it's um Michael Jai White. Yep. He was the uh, he was the stunt coordinator and one of the uh, henchmen he, in this. Was movie. he the henchman with the nunchucks? I believe so. Yeah. When I saw that guy, I was like, "That fucker looks so familiar." And then I <laughs> checked the Wikipedia. I was like, I, "I'm pretty great. sure that was Michael Jai White." And I have two other things that I need to quote in this movie. First of all, there's this whole thing where Melvin has to go to Japan to find his father, Big Mac Junko, and he finds him. And he's this evil dude, and he has to kill him. And then we get to the end of the movie, and his dad shows up, and it's a it's a dude who makes way more sense to be Melvin's father. And he goes, "Oh, that was you must have killed Big Mac Bunko." And his line is, "He's ruined my credit score more than one time. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad to hear of his demise." <laughs> it's such a dumb line, but then the line of all lines. It's one of the last lines in the whole movie is just someone screaming, big business sucks, you wad. And I said a message we can all get behind. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm, Completely. I'm, I'm so sad that you are missing what I thought was the best um, the best line. 
and it's not a line as much as a line delivery. It's his therapist, and she's like, uh, oh she's God. she's like grinding on him, telling him that yeah. he needs to go find his father in Japan, and he goes in his like his um his thought process, which he's you know in, in, in saying enunciating for the the audience his his internal monologue is. On one hand, I'd have to leave mom and Claire, but on the other hand, I get to see dad. Oh, no, I think he says it out loud because the therapist goes, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do have to mention. There's a great psychology joke from going from Freudian uh, psychoanalysis to gestalt uh, gestalt therapy, which I was like, (laughs) and then she's just, as this voiceover is going, talking about her um, clinical orientation change, she's mounting him, and I'm just like, this is what it's like at home here, uh, with a psychologist. <laughs> uh, so the last thing I want to call out very quickly, because I just think it's so funny in the world of like Lloyd Kaufman, cost effective. There's this scene where, in case for some reason you were watching Tosk Avenger Part Two and had never seen Tosk Avenger Part One, we get one of the evil henchwomen giving exposition on the origins of Tosk Avenger. <laughs> yeah. I guess to save time finding scenes to assemble that, it's just a trailer. If you look up the trailer from 1985 for the Tusk Avenger, they're Incredible. literally just playing the trailer. They're that's brilliant. <laughs> like, that's also, that's that's good business. That's fantastic. <laughs> good for them. That's so smart. Well, I'm mad. I'm actually mad. I'm mad at this movie. For, <laughs> that, which was one of my three notes was just, I'm mad at this movie. And now I'm just mad for different reasons. Yeah. Hey, man. Whatever. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, Matt, you've made at least one person, yourself, watch an hour and 48 minutes of Toxic Avenger. Um, how are you going to continue your suffering? I'm going to read exactly what I wrote down for my double feature. I don't know. Any Police Academy sequel? Let's say Mission Miami Beach. <laughs> Dude, that would be 
punishing. Well, it's funny you say that because, Scott, this is coming out on February 22nd. And on March 1st, the Geekscape TV YouTube channel is relaunching. And one of the first four segments we are going to be doing throughout the month of March is myself and Robert Bacon have rewatched all seven Police Academy movies in order to rank them from worst to best. So- <laughs> wow. wow. So that came with a little plug. I'm plugging. Yeah, yeah, I'm plugging. All right. So how about you guys? What would you guys use to save the night? Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not saving it. It's not being saved. We've actually already said it, but I would really like to pair this with Sergeant Kabuki Man. I Oof. think it's just it. To me, it's not necessarily about how good the night is, but it's like it feels like a um, a learning experience, uh, yes. a, a time capsule, and a, an event, a moment. Sergeant Kabuki Man is a wild. I think I've actually never seen it. Okay, so here's the thing. I you talked about super... it multiple times. You've never watched it. I only know at like I only know of Listen. the character in where it lands in like trauma's history. Oh, I've okay. never actually seen so, Sergeant Kabuki Man. So Sergeant Kabuki Man, I don't think would ever classify for horror movie night because it is straight up a superhero send off. It is it is doing mm, Batman. Yeah. It is a fascinating movie to watch because it is R. It's an R rated movie, but it was the only time Lloyd Kaufman attempted to shoot a PG thirteen movie. So it is like super fucking tame. Mm. Um, but they still couldn't get the PG-13 rating, but that was, like, the deal. Like, they were like, we want you to make a PG-13 superhero movie. Like, we want you to make the Toxic Avenger, but for kids. And, like, that's that's what he made. And somehow Toxic Crusaders worked, but Sergeant yeah. Kabuki Man <laughs> Sergeant Kabu- Well, if you buy the Sergeant Kabuki Man DVD, like somebody has, one of the bonus features is the opening credits that they had made for a potential Sergeant Kabuki Man cartoon series if the movie was a hit. Like, they were ready to make this character and market the shit out of him. And it's crazy because I can no longer, I cannot even imagine a world in which that was the case. Yeah. And you know, it, but think about the, the intro, the first 20 minutes of, of Toxie 2, and kind of the, the, there's a, even a line where the one woman is like, even comic book villains like us go to Japan when we want things done right. And yeah. it it really fits into, like the reason that I was even, so I didn't even get into this when we were talking about the actual um, episode, but the that intro scene fucked me up as a kid because um, I saw it on cable at somebody's house and I was like so traumatized because it, was incre- it is still incredibly gory and it's gross. Mm-hmm traumatized i mean it's, it's trauma gross uh, but i was interested because the toxic crusaders cartoon was a cartoon yeah that you watched. was it Same. was something that i watched and i was like oh this must be what it was based on and i was like holy shit you know yep. so yeah. i can see them being like yeah the toxic crusaders ca- cartoon worked just fine the there was a swamp thing cartoon and the toys and their toxic avenger or toxic crusaders toys let's fucking do another and let's so do another they uh, that, that's why they wanted Sergeant Kabuki Man. And this is the one other quick Sergeant Kabuki Man fact before we go to Scott's double feature. That is the film where you get the infamous car flip that they are still using almost <laughs> 30 years later. Because again, people thought that this might be like the marketable trauma movie, so they got a bigger budget than they normally would get. So he got to do this crazy car flip, and then he's like, Well. That, I think he said it was like a like a hundred thousand dollar stunt, and he's like, "Well, 
I'm getting every dollar of that hundred thousand because we're just going to keep using it in That's every an movie. Insane and, amount and of I, money. I bet you Jesus. if he upscaled it too now, like he would still be able to use it even better placed in. <laughs> I the, think the it's that funnier like, that he doesn't. <laughs> I think it's funnier that every time the the film stock drops greatly, yeah. Oh, yeah. the car yeah. color doesn't match anymore. <laughs> like like the lazier that they've gotten and leaned into that joke, the funnier the joke has become. But that's also Scott, a very John you? Waters kind of thing. Um, yeah, so boy, I'm yeah. going to say I'm going with a kind of gross superhero type character as well. I'm going Hellboy. I really okay. love the first ah, Hellboy movie. Right. Um, I mean, I like Hellboy, too, but Hellboy itself has everything that's awesome. It's even got a Cthulhu. So right. or it's got some sort of, you know, eldritch cosmic horror in it. Um, so, yeah, I think that that would really save my night. But it'd also be a really long night. I think they're both almost two hours long. <laughs> yeah no that's a lot of that's a lot of time there well guys what's going on uh so we got a couple <laughs> things happening here first off we are getting closer and closer to creature feature weekend on april yeah. 19th to the 21st i do have confirmation that we are almost definitely going to be doing uh something on the night of the 19th yeah, because uh, we're not gonna we're gonna be too full of Doritos on the twentieth, guys. Sorry, exactly. God bless. Um, God bless. <laughs> don't forget to check out our Patreon. Join join our Slack channel if nothing else. That's a, a one dollar donation gets you into that Slack channel. Oh, uh, yeah. Patreon.com backslash HMN podcast. Hit up our website HMNpodcast.com. Get yourself a T-shirt, all that cool stuff. Hit us up on all of our socials. Uh, HMN podcast is basically where you'll find us everywhere, and also like. I've got another podcast that I'm doing now called YA OK. The first episode came out last week. Uh, it's two of my friends talking about YA novels. So check that out. Now, Scott, I wasn't able to save the night with my double feature, but I, let me tell you what I've been watching this week because this will save anybody's night. Uh, I had to take it slow. I had to do one to two episodes a day because I was literally dehydrating myself with how hard I was crying watching the eighth season of Queer Eye, which also appears to mm. be the last season with Bobby Burke, yep. uh, who will be leaving the show. Queer Eye, like the first two seasons of Queer Eye, I thought were masterfully done. Every season since has been like pretty good. This was definitely like, there were like three or four episodes that I'm like, oh, these are like all timer emotional roller coaster episodes of Queer Eye in season eight. So. Definitely, definitely recommend. If nothing else, check out, I think it's episode six, which should have been the last episode. Like, like you know how, like, you want the last episode to be the most emotionally... Tearjerker, absolutely. Tearjerker yeah. one, mm -hmm. and that was episode six. Episode six was about uh, a, a guy who is deaf, who works at a school for the deaf as yep. the coach of their football team, um, and they're finally getting to play their first game in over three years of practicing to go on the fields and like it's just a, like every element of that episode i'm just like crying so much so that kind of ruined episodes seven and eight because i was like i don't feel anything now yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're you're empty uh megan yeah. watched that episode last night without me thank goodness oh my god i mm. i literally my girlfriend came by to to hang out and that episode was just ending and she was like is everything Whoops. okay because i was just I literally had to get a bottle of water because I cried so much that I definitely like dehydrated myself a little bit. So that's, Matt is that's a my for punishment. Oh yeah, but no that's doubt. my recommendation. Uh, so you know, whichever one of you, porn. come on, dive in. That's what we call it, Kyle. Um, I 
watch Destroy All Neighbors on Shudder. I did too. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Are you going to talk about that today? I can. Or wait. No, no. You, I'm just glad you've seen it. So now that I, I, uh, I don't have to. Well, spoil so we've all seen man, it. I mean, so if yep. you have not we've watched it, it, this is our spoilery discussion of it, and yeah. therefore, sorry, don't listen well, to this. Sorry, so figure but, it out. Figure it out, everyone. Yeah, this is the end of the episode for you. This. We're gonna spoil it. <laughs> and yeah. also check out um, my interview with the director after you watch it. Yes, <laughs> please check out the interview. And that's that's part of what I mean. There's a few things that got me in the door, right? Uh, I love I love Man Man. I didn't realize that Honus Honus was actually in there as um, uh, oh what's something Bang Jansen? Uh, yeah, Bang Jansen. Oh my god! Oh oh, he's got name? a full. Or we're, we're Caleb, Caleb Bang Jensen. Yes. Uh, which you have to say his entire name. Yes. Um, there are a lot of a lot of fun characters. A lot of fun gags. I mean, it's Gabe Bartolis uh, or Bart. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he had done, I, I believe, all the basket case stuff. Like he is, oh, he's been working okay. in this weirdo, um, weirdo effects world for a long time. So like, and that comes like shining through. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of um, music jokes that if you like them, land. If you don't, they don't take away from anything that's happening. Like it was all very, it was all very accessible for like niche. For nerds and approaches yeah yeah it was very I, I i thought it was a lot of fun and it has some heart to it too uh, i think a lot of it is maybe white boy problems but at the same time i thought it was done in a way that didn't feel like you know it's done in a silly horror way so to me like or a horror comedy way so to me it didn't it didn't take away from it um and there's some it, it just it just delves into chaos and it's it's very fun very very i fun. Uh, my so i have i have i had a good time watching it um my only critique is that I've actually thought that Alex Winter Alex Winter's um character's accent was so awful. Yeah. I know that's the point, but yeah. like that was it really took me out. And I also felt like I was watching the American version of Todd in the Book of Pure Evil because it really hits yes. a lot of the same beats. It um, does. And so for me, for someone who loves that show so much and has watched it a lot, this didn't feel as fresh, but it did feel familiar, which I really appreciated. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? I hope that doesn't sound yeah. too harsh. No, no, it doesn't. Actually, it doesn't sound harsh at all because, like, it's also that's a thing that it doesn't isn't happening often. Like that that type of storytelling or that type of I could watch film. I could watch gory music movies anytime. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a but that's a small genre, so it's I don't think that it's. Genre. I actually think that it's actually a, a it's a compliment more than it is something that takes away. I think okay. that's one of my favorite lines from the director Josh when I interviewed him was like, he's like, I keep hearing people refer to my movie as a throwback, but like I never stopped watching these type of yeah. movies, so I didn't even know it really went away. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't know. I'm glad that we're talking about it as as all three of us instead of just me because I feel like I wouldn't have been able to enumerate what I liked and what I just didn't I wasn't like head over heels about it but that's yeah that's exactly it it's because it felt familiar which I mean it's like a warm blanket I love that you know um yes. right I I I also thought that a lot of the jokes hit but Alex Winter just really took me out of it because he's such a he just chews every scene and I love Alex Winter but um I just couldn't handle that character yeah, yeah. I I, yeah, uh, I get that. My favorite element, and, and you know, 
just assuming that some people were like, fuck you, you can't tell me what to do. I'm still going to listen. Um, all I'm going to say is Eleanor steals the show for me. When when mm. Eleanor oh, yeah. shows up, I'm just Dude. like, this is so good. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just thought it was fun. I do love, like you said, it, it, I mean, you got Thomas Lennon up in there a couple times just being yeah. outrageous. John yeah. Daly doing, basically playing like a Les Claypool-esque <laughs> guy with his base youtube channel like it's so it it's i think it's cool because it clearly loves Prague while also making fun of people who love Prague. like it, it walks you that have very to love loving you line. have to love the music that you make fun of that's why yeah. todd in the book of yeah. pure evil is so good because it's yeah. very obvious and death uh, uh death clock death is Cat. also um no metalocalypse oh oh metalocalypse um, metalocalypse uh brendan small loves death metal he loves all, all sorts of extreme metal and so those jokes hit um mm -hmm. i felt like deathgasm i mean and i could be wrong but it just felt like they were trying to make a movie making fun of black and death metal without quite understanding the nuance of it and therefore it felt to me, a person who has been steeped in a lot of extreme metal for a long time, it felt like they didn't get why you could and couldn't make joke, certain jokes, you know? And then also, it was yeah. like, it was too broad of an audience, but also not broad enough. Does that make sense? Like, it's, yeah, it's like I think the, the, the jokes only... are very like, oh, metal is stupid, and then they kind of mix genres in the wrong way. What was that movie that, where where they, the the... The, the metalhead guitarist. It was a Netflix movie that came out last year. Um, he he like teaches his metal lords, metal lords, um, and that was actually a quite touching coming I was of age. To think of if I could fuck up and make a make even a title. worse one. Uh, that um, wasn't those. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, but it <laughs> metal lords is also coming from a place of love. You know, like I it's it's yeah. you can I just feel like if you know these genres, you can you can grasp that they are. Or even if you're just in subgenres of music, you can get when yeah. the jokes are being made on your own behalf, like self-effacing, and that makes the joke okay. I think yeah. the only, and this is coming from someone who has absolutely no real passion for the movie one way or the other, mm. I feel like the only argument that could maybe be made with Deathgasm, and I have not watched this movie in over 10 years, so I can't say And I'm sure that you made this reference when we, I think you're going to No, I might not have. I just thought time. of this actually now, but like, the argument that could be made is that it's not making fun of black metal and death metal, but making fun of kids who don't understand it jumping in blindly to it because it is like two high schoolers. But I feel like Metal Lords handles that balance way, way better. better regardless. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, yeah, when you're a teenager, I feel like that's one of those tropes as someone who's, again, I'm doing a YA podcast, so I've been yeah. reading a lot of YA novels. There is this this thing that happens with almost every single YA novel that I read where they introduce a character that annoys me to no end. And it's not until maybe the last 50 pages that I'm like, oh, this is very intentional. Like, like mm -hmm. I'm reading it being like, this author is so good except for this one character and I don't get it. And then I get to the end and I'm like, oh, this character is like i'm sitting there being like this character seems like such a gatekeeper to like what is or isn't queer and then it's like oh no that's intentional because when you're a teenager just coming out 
you don't really know the nuances of it. So everything's black or white. Or like when you have a character who's like a punk rocker and they're so obnoxious about punk and it's like, yes, that is how every middle school to early high schooler is when they discover punk for the first time. Like, like it oh, is this yeah. delicate oh, line yeah. that you have to kind of find a way to walk. Um, and, you know, if you do it right, the audience watching is like both loving it because they relate to it and cringing because they see too much of themselves in it at that mm-hmm. age. You know, and like, mm-hmm. I think that that's the exact balance you want to have where where you're like, ooh, I remember when I was exactly like this when I first discovered that genre of music. Like, okay, that's got it. Got it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think we Scott, can all agree. To... No, that's that's all. all... I, th- yeah. I want to talk about Destroy Our Neighbors. Yeah. Uh, I think we can all agree that if you were, if we were to recommend uh, one movie for you to watch, it wouldn't be Toxic Adventure 2, but it would probably be Destroy All Neighbors. So <laughs> check that out, and uh, we'll be back with another film that's mostly worth watching just for the, the kills. Uh, stay tuned. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.